In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the blessed month of Hatur. The first Sunday's readings were about the sower sowing seeds. The second Sunday's readings are exactly the same. Uh, last week, we focused on the quality of the soil. We took the idea of the quality of the soil and we related that to uh, the quality of our souls. And we thought, we looked at the, so- the soil, how it ought to be prepared, how it ought to be tilled, how it ought to be seeded, how it ought to be watched, watered, fertilized, protected, in order for it to produce a crop. And the very same similar uh, attitude has to be towards our souls. How we prepare it, how we till it, how we seed it, how we watch it, water, fertilize, protect, all of that we spoke about, I hope we spoke about, and I was successful in speaking about that, and how, last week, and how the, the soil can be changed. Yes, your, your soil might be rock today, but can become good soil tomorrow through ascetic practices. As I meditated on this gospel again today, it came to mind um, very clearly how seeds must be sown in the earth and buried. And it, it reminded me of the idea of somebody dying and being buried within the ground. And as I was reading some of the commentaries and the fathers, this, uh, this theme came out over and over. The two images of putting a seed in the ground and of putting someone who has died into the ground And we also get this from the writings uh, and the other Gospels as well as St. Paul. St. Paul, uh, first Christ said in John chapter 12, verse 23, He said, The hour has come that the Son of Man must be glorified. Most assuredly I say to you, pay attention to this, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The idea of sowing and the idea of that sowing uh, being related to the, the death of Christ. It says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor. But my father, him, my father will honor. So we have Christ giving this image as well. And St. Paul speaks about seeds and death in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. He says, he writes, But someone will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. So today I want us to focus on the idea that there is a dying that, must, that one must go through in order to bear fruit. There is difficulty in bearing fruit. Before, last week, I spoke about the difficulty in preparing the soil to receive the Word of God. And then there is a continued difficulty in producing fruit. Not so much that it overwhelms us, but we have to understand 
that it's not something that's going to come passively. And if I just, you know, avoid certain things, um, it will, it, I will produce spiritual fruit. Uh, think about it this way, for those of you who have uh, green thumbs and are able to um, grow things in your homes, every home, every plant needs a different level of water, a different level of uh, nourishment, needs to be a certain distance from other plants. Uh, all of that goes into uh, uh, growing things. You wouldn't put two trees next to each other because one is going to dominate the soil, the nutrients, and the other is going to end up dying. In another way, if I took a bunch of seeds in my hands of a mixture of things that I like, and I just throw it at the ground, without giving each seed its attention, it's, just going to, it, it's probably not going to be successful all around. And the same is true when it comes to the virtues of our life. When I think about the idea that we should live righteously, when I think about the idea that we should live honestly, uh, when I, obedient lives, lives of love, lives of almsgiving, lives of mercy. That has to be in my mind, first off, and then as I deal with my day-to-day -day life, as I go out and I'm dealing with people and I'm living and even at home or outside, I have to recognize that every opportunity in my life where I can grow one of these fruit, it has to be on my mind. And... Yesterday I baptized a woman, or a, bap a woman was baptized, and I had the blessing of, of, of doing the sacrament. And as I was reading the commandment to her, it's a little odd because I usually the commandment is to the parents, but I, I was struck by this passage. And um, this passage, uh, one day I'm going to print it up and give it to, to all of you to remember. But I was struck by this passage. So this commandment is given to the parents basically saying your child now is able to take communion and this is what you have to do with this child. And, and the commandment says safeguard your children and preserve them from going to unsuitable places so that the Lord may guard them from satanic temptations. And this is related to the choking of the thorns. That I always thought the thorns and the choking of the thorns, I never really quite got the image until a couple of days ago. The image is, is about like, it's almost a drowning, trying to catch a breath and he can't. Why is that choking and drowning? Why is it the same? Because this is the power of satanic influences, uh, even just of money, the love of money, the love of money, once it creeps into the soul, you can't catch a breath to think about anything else. It possesses you. And you can't get your mind out of it. This is just one example among many of the uh, things that show the soul. But then afterwards it continues and it says to the parents, sow in your child beautiful qualities. You are, a parent is a sower. And they've been given that child as a gift from God so that that child uh, can grow in the faith. And then there's a list of 14 things. Sow in them righteousness and praise. Sow in them purity. Sow in them obedience and love and holiness. Sow in them mercy 
so in them almsgiving and justice, so in them piety, patience, and goodness, so in them honesty and all the good works that please God. And when we think about sowing seeds within our children, we also think about that within ourselves, right? So I should take it upon myself to grow these virtues within me. At a certain age, your parents are no, not, no longer responsible for you. You have to be responsible for your own spiritual life. And these virtues should be on your top 10 list, top 14 list, uh, should be there in your life, uh, goals, milestones, things that you seek after, things that you work towards. You know, we always, that one, of the, one of the tactics of, of having a goal and setting your mind to it is to write it and to put it on the wall someplace or to put it in front of you. To always have it in front of you so that you can grow. But those virtues, and my main point for today, do not grow easily and do not grow simply. And I'm going to take from the writings of St. Gregory the Great. He was a um, 5th, 6th century saint, 6th century saint in the Eastern and uh, Western churches. Um, he's not recognized in our church, but his writings are the same, and we, we read his writings, we just don't have a hymn for him, but essentially his writings are wonderful. And he was writing a, a homily on this, and he said, the Word of God is our mind's food, the food of our mind. And he says, whenever you hear this word, and do not retain it in the stomach of our memories, it is as if we are taking food into our stomach and we can't hold it down and we throw it up. We in fact despair of the life of a person who cannot retain nourishment. A person who can't keep food down, we worry about that person. You must fear the danger of eternal death then. If you receive the food of holy encouragement, but do not keep the words of life, the nourishment that is righteousness in your minds. And he says, the good ground brings forth fruit in patience. The good that we do amounts to nothing if we do not also patiently endure the evils done by our neighbors. <clears throat> For the higher that anyone advances, the more he finds things in this world that are hard to bear. The more spiritual you become, the more problematic this world becomes. The more difficult it is to live among all of the evil. And when, when our love for this present age declines, when we start to realize that this world is nothing and that the world to come is everything, our, advers our adversity increases. And this is the reason we see so many people doing good and yet laboring under a heavy burden of distress. They are fleeing earthly desires and yet heavy afflictions are wearing them out. But according to the word of the Lord, they are bringing forth fruit in patience because when they humbly accept their afflictions, they afterwards are accepted into heavenly rest. And he goes on and gives a nice example. He says, the grape is crushed underfoot and becomes liquid wine. And the olive is pressed and squeezed and leaves a rich oil. And grain is separated from chaff by being flailed on the threshing floor 
and after it is cleaned, it, is, it reaches the barn. And then he says this beautiful line, anyone who desires to overcome his vices fully should be eager, humbly, to endure his cleansing afflictions. It's difficult that as we excel in our spiritual lives, we find things becoming more difficult, more problematic. And we have to be aware of this. The more the fire of tribulation has rid him of his rust, the cleaner will he become before his judge. And then he remembers, and this is the final thing I'll share with you, he remembers a saint that lived during this time. Of course, we don't know this saint, but he remembers a common person there. He says a certain person whose name was Servulus. Many of you knew him as well as I. He was poor in possessions, but rich in merits. Listen to his life. A long illness had incapacitated him. From his youth right up to the end of his life, he lay paralyzed. Why should I say that he was unable to stand when he could never raise himself up in his bed, even to a sitting position? He could never bring his hand to his mouth, <coughs> never turn himself onto his other side, his mother and his brother. And this is also nice to see how somebody like this was taken care of back then. His mother and his brother were there to wait on him, and whatever he had been able to get as an alms, he bestowed by their hands to the poor. So people would give him money, and then he would tell his mother and his brother, go give to the poor. He did not know how to read, but he had bought for himself manuscripts of the Holy Scriptures, and he had all the religiously-minded persons who were friendly toward him read, these to him without interruption and so as far as was possible he learned the holy scriptures even though he was unable to read although he was in pain he strove to give himself to thanking god in hymns and praises day and night and when it was time for his great patience to be rewarded pain re returned to his vital parts recognizing that he was now near death he urged strangers and those who were friendly toward him to come forward and sing psalms with him as they awaited his departure. And when even at the point of death they were singing psalms, he stopped their voices and said with a loud voice, Be silent. Do you not hear the great praises resounding in heaven? And as he was directing the ear of his heart to the praises he had heard inwardly, his soul was released from his body, and it went forth so lovely a scent from his body that it was present until the point of his burial, and many around those around him accounted for that scent. And then here's the point that St. Gregory was saying and what I would like to bring to you. See the end of one who patiently put up with afflictions in his life. The good ground broken up by the plow of discipline attained the harvest of remuneration, and according to the Lord's word, it brought forth fruit in patience. But I ask you, my friend, to think carefully about the sort of excuse we will make in the strict judgment. We who have received possessions, we who can employ our hands, are slow to perform good works, while a person in want this, uh, this Saint Servulus, a person in want, fulfilled the Lord's precepts even without 
having the own use of his hands. Let the Lord not show us up by the apostles who by their preaching drew crowds of believers with them to the kingdom. Let him not manifest against us the martyrs who reached their heavenly home by shedding their blood. What will we say when we see Servulus, of whom I've spoken? Lengthy illness restrained his arms, but he did not, but this did not keep him from doing good. Think of these things, my friends. Rouse yourselves to the pursuit of good works. With good people as models for you to imitate now, you may be able to be sharers in their goodness hereafter. May God be glorified now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen.